Welcome back to the Anxious Millennial Podcast. I am your one and only host, Alexandra. What's going on? It's been a minute. I do miss you, my dear listeners. I miss you quite a bit. So my summer so far, it's currently beginning of August. My summer has been interesting, different. I've been honing in my golf game. Yes, I am a total beginner and I really enjoy it, to be honest with you. It's currently the Olympics, so I've been watching a bit of that. Um, on a personal front, some of you, many of you probably know this, um, August was supposed to be my wedding month. And a few months ago, obviously, hashtag pandemic, I had to postpone life plans. And it's been a bit of a ride. I'm not going to lie. It's been a mixed bag of emotions. Still trying to find a house with my significant other. And it's... Uh, the market here in Canada is just out of control, but we remain optimistic, right? On another level, I am so happy to have completed a professional and personal coaching certification through Concordia University in Montreal in conjunction with the International Coaching Federation. So officially a certified coach. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. I am so proud of this. It was an incredible deep dive into so much. And I wanted to focus today on why coaching is so awesome and not because I'm totally biased and I think the industry itself is fantastic, especially when you are certified by the ICF, a governing board with ethics. Um, so I'm immensely proud of that. But just a little bit about what coaching in life can serve you. I'll touch on some points that were some main takeaways from the certification that I honestly think would serve so many people in life. And, you know, the podcast is about anxiety and a lot of people insinuated when I got into coaching, they're like, well, you know, what are you going to become like some kind of therapist or some kind of pseudo therapist? And I mean, there's a major amount of education that has to come into play. Coaching is not therapy, first of all. So coaching is the holding of space and coaching is future-oriented and very goal-focused, learning-focused. It doesn't take deep dives into the past, trauma, or any of that. It's very positive psychology, I guess, is what you can call it, because it focuses on moving forward. And I can't tell you how much of a mind-bend that is for someone like me who's anxious. And the reason for why I decided to get into this in the first place was because I was obsessed with why people have such high levels of achievement and self-actualization. What makes someone more successful than someone else? It's also part of the reason as to why I started the podcast as well. I needed to understand why it was that some people were more quote-unquote successful at honing in some of their difficulties and struggles and overcoming them to just keep moving forward. So I decided, again, mid-pandemic, and P.S. via a virtual classroom, which is in and of itself quite the struggle. So I needed something to anchor me and remind me that there's more. There's more to this pandemic, that there's more to all the things happening around the world and that there are 
possibilities beyond probably what many of us can imagine. I'm sort of one of those life learners where I always like being in a situation where I feel like I'm learning. I hate stagnation. I'm also not a huge fan of the comfort zone. I feel really complacent in those moments. However, you would think being someone who has anxiety that I would thrive in situations that feel really cushy and comfortable. And P.S. I do, but I don't want to stay too long in those places. And truly, that's what coaching boils down to. So I can't wait to share with you some of the awesome learnings I took away from the program. They're really high level, nothing too technical or like human systems oriented, which is a completely different ballgame. Um, so PS also, I implore anyone who is interested in any form of coaching, reach out to me. Um, you can reach out directly to Alexandra at anxiousmillennial.ca. I would be happy to answer any questions you have, or if you're interested in coaching in any shape or form, be it organizational, entrepreneurial, personal, it's an incredible self project to, take a deep dive into and I I really recommend it. So even if you have any questions, happy to answer them. So let me just take a dive right in. Um, First of all, coaching is really, really focused, number one, on not giving any kind of advice. You heard correctly. I went into this thinking, oh my God, I'm going to make such a difference in people's lives. And I'm going to give, I'm such a good advice giver. I'm going to give the best advice. I mean, I have an undergrad in psych, right? Oh yeah, great. And I'm going to really be able to give all this fantastic advice to people. Nuh-uh, no, that was one of the first pieces we learned about within the program, which is coaching is not about giving advice. The expert is the coachee, AKA the client. The coach is truly the expert on the process. We are there to pace and co-create alongside the client. We create safety and a space of trust where the client essentially does all the work. You heard correctly, the client does all the work. So when someone is like, well, it kind of mirrors therapy then because therapy is integrative. It gives you quote unquote homework and then you go out in the real world. Well, yes, but then there's a ton of, and depending on your therapist, there's a ton of introspection that takes place on the past, on what's happened, your childhood, any kind of developmental pieces that could be torn apart and really examined. And, you know, there's cognitive behavioral therapy, there's dialectical behavioral therapy, there's, I mean, there's all these methods. And yes, in coaching, there are a ton of methods as well. However, I would venture to say that the therapy probably takes a closer look at things that have happened in the past and how you can, you know, increase your acceptance, how you can focus on behaviors and thoughts and all that. So coaching is really, again, it's more of a forward movement kind of work. Um, And it's simple. You come into a session with a topic. And we really just move from there. I mean, to be honest with you, therapy is one of those things where, first of all, I've been in therapy. I know therapy well. I know the the context. You go in and, you know, you sort of talk about what's happened between sessions, if that's what you feel. But with coaching, it's much more conducive to having a topic in session that feels really alive for you. 
And then it's really about moving you forward as to why it's important. What is the vision of success? So those are the kind of things that I feel like coaching is really different. I, you know, if it were up to me, I think everybody would have a therapist and a coach. If that's really what I'm trying to say here is that optimally, if we were all to be superhumans and, you know, bottomless pits of, of financial resources, then yes, therapy and coaching together are just some magical mix. But, you know, I, I think it's just really a personal choice as to what you think serves you better. Another thing that came up during the certification was perspective. As a coach, you're not really unbiased. No human is. We all have perspective, right? So those optics are really difficult to take off your eyeballs. You look through them, you have background, you have things guiding your values and principles, and coaching really tears that apart for the coach first, because it could be really easy for a coach to basically come in with an agenda and impact the session with their own biases. And we really, really explore what unconscious bias is and all of that. So in our day-to-day, I've also really taken note of how I inherently influence conversation. And sometimes it's good, but sometimes it also influences opinions, which to be honest with you, at the end of the day, I mean... (sighs) unless you're having a discussion or a debate, it's really up to a person to make up their own mind. Who's anyone to influence anyone unless you're a subject matter expert? So, you know, coaching is really interesting because it it reminds you and it reminds all of us really that we all come into any dialogue, any conversation, any dynamic or relationship with our own perspectives. And it teaches us to be really aware of those of those agendas. Another thing that was fantastic, and this is so interesting also for anyone who's an entrepreneur or in a business setting, is knowing how to ask questions. And some of the studying that went on behind the scenes, so there's a ton of readings and studies and, and, you know, this is all based in data. It's all based on, you know, transformation and how transformation is is best sustained in the long term. And so knowing how to ask questions. And so in a session, let's say the session is 60 minutes, and this is within the session confines, right? But if you're talking in the middle of a work conversation, when you ask someone why, they tend to respond because blah, blah, blah. Because I thought so, because this is what seemed evident to me at the time. Because so anytime you're asking why, be aware that there's going to be a level of defensiveness that's going to likely be elicited from the other person. And that's because why questions just tend to do that. They really force the other person to have to justify their point of view to you. And then right then and there, you are undermining trust and you're undermining any level of safety you think has been created. So if a manager is asking an employee, well, why did you think this was a good idea? Inherently, they're sending the message to their employee that, well, that really wasn't such a great idea, was it? Simple wording and simple tweaks, but highly, highly effective. So what coaching proposes 
is instead to use what. What is it that came out of that situation? What made you learn? What was it about this conversation that stood out to you? The other person is less likely to be feeling defensive because really you're sort of planting a seed and you're asking them to reveal something about themselves. Not why, but what was it about that? Tell me more. Let's explore that. Again, small tweaks in vocabulary, but highly effective to get to the heart of the matter. Another amazing thing that came out of these coaching learnings was the rabbit hole effect, if I could say, or the shiny object. And my professors kept saying this to us as coaches in training to stay away from those shiny objects. And I thought that was fascinating. And this is what I mean by shiny objects. So if you're talking to someone and there's a myriad of details being shoveled your way, right? Everything from what they did over the weekend to what's bugging them at the moment to catching the latest version of God knows what Netflix show they're watching to something that bothered them that their partner may have said. Anything. These are what are deemed shiny objects and or rabbit holes. And if you're, again, in a work setting or you're an entrepreneur, or even if you're having a really heated discussion with someone that you care about and you're hearing all these things come up. So number one, there's a reason why the person you're speaking to is bringing these things up. It's probably to add context. It's probably to use the situation, talking to you, aka having a conversation as a soundboard. So these are all things that there's a reason why they're coming up. It's just that you as the recipient, if you want to stay on track and focused on the topic at hand, and this is especially true, obviously, in a work setting. Of course, in conversation, no one's asking you to stay laser focused. Conversation is conversation, right? Things will happen, things will come up, and that's completely natural. <laughs> be, be human, it's totally fine. But within a work setting, if you want to stay focused and you have very little time to allocate to the conversation in the first place, stay away from those shiny objects. So it's always tempting to grab them, go down those rabbit holes, say, well, what do you mean by that? Or no, resist, resist the urge to go down that rabbit hole because then number one, you're also leading in that case, right? Because you're picking up on one of the five things that they're bringing up but you're picking that. And then that might dictate the rest of the conversation. Again, especially in a work setting, you want to stay as laser focused and on topic as possible. So bring the conversation back. Make sure you're staying on track. And you know what? We were taught that taking notes, be it during a conversation or whatever, breaks posture, breaks coaching posture. It it sort of especially virtually, right? You're looking down if you're taking notes. I personally am a fan of taking notes. It keeps me on track. And yes, I look down, I look away from the camera, I look away from the person, but I like remembering what we're talking about. I don't want to get sucked in. I don't want to, because then it's honestly a detriment to both me and the other person in in conversation. So if taking notes is something you have to do, then by all means, do it. And I think one of the final things that really struck me was the creation of safety. I was watching, I think it was a documentary with Dan Levy 
Um, I was going to call him David. <laughs> I love Shit's Creek. If anybody, I know we've all been on the Shit's Creek bandwagon. And if all of us haven't, then please get on it. I'm sure you've been told a thousand times. But I was watching a documentary on Shit's Creek. And Dan Levy was talking about, um, obviously, it's a, you know, he he's a huge proponent of inclusivity and the LGBTQ plus community. And, and so he said something amazing and it was mid certification. I heard this, it was one night after studying, I needed like a break. So I watched this documentary and he said, you know, if I'm going to positively influence anyone really, and I want to create that sense of inclusivity, I can't possibly influence without creating a safe space first, right? And he was so right. Because at the end of the day, even topics that are being explored right now worldwide, you know, vaccines and not taking vaccines and where's your stance on equality. And it's, it's, it's all these things. It's all these things, pronouns, everything. You know, if you want to have a conversation with someone, you have to understand where they're coming from. No one's going to want to learn and evolve if they're being or feeling like they're being attacked. And in a space where they don't feel safe, they're just going to dig deeper into the ideals they hold so strongly to. So my recommendation, and this is unsolicited advice, I do recognize that, but the best way is always to create safety and ask someone what makes them hold so strongly onto those principles and those ideals. What is so important to them about those values. You know, these are the kinds of questions that won't elicit any kind of defensiveness. Just asking them those questions to explain it to you. Walk me through it. You know, I want to understand you. And if you agree or disagree, that's completely on you. But then there's the acknowledgement piece, which is, you know what, I'm so touched by you having shared that with me. And you'll see this person will leave your conversation really reflecting on the fact that, wow, I was free to be myself in that exchange. And next time you just never know, they might come back to you with, you know, I really thought a lot about our conversation. It's likely to happen. Human beings need to be left to feel free to think. And that's just the bottom line. No one wants to feel any kind of chokehold on their values or on their principles, even if you fundamentally disagree with their stance. Just talk to them, have a conversation, take a deep dive. And if you really, really disagree with them, tell them. I mean, you can voice your opinion as well and say, you know what? I I really hear you. I completely understand. Acknowledge and say, I, I get it. Here's here are my thoughts. And you can just tell them. And you know what? The the fact is they'll be more receptive to what you're saying if once again you've created that dynamic of trust. So that's that's the high level of many months. I can go into so much more. Um I have books and books on the topic now, but I love coaching. I'm so happy to have also found a lovely community and a lovely cohort of fellow coaches. Um, just the friends I've made are going to be around forever. And 
it's just incredible to have seen just how transformative the program was. I mean, all walks of life and seeing people come out of it with just incredible levels of emotional intelligence where, you know, you could see they came in really wondering what is this program about? And some of them perhaps even question it, myself included. I have to be honest with you. Midway through, I was thinking to myself, wow, this is not for me. (laughs) I thought I'd be giving fantastic advice. (laughs) But you know what? I learned that that's all about me and my agenda. And truthfully, coaching is not about the coach. It's all about the coachee. So again, if you have any questions, feel free to send me a DM, send me an email. Again, that's alexandra at anxiousmillennial.ca. So any questions you have, if ever you're interested in coaching, I would be so happy to connect with you. And finally, I cannot wait for you to hear the episodes that are in the pipeline, namely an episode on drumroll money. Yes, the subject, the topic we've all been avoiding, money. And I think mid post pandemic, it's an interesting one. And the taboo surrounding it and the taboo surrounding millennials and money, really something I think you're going to enjoy. So we're going to take a nice, juicy dive into what it is that makes money so uncomfortable for many and such a fun topic for others. So tune into that one coming up soon. Thank you again for having been here. I appreciate you always. Have a fantastic week. Bye.